how lovely to see you. I don't mind having a free meal in there. I was desperate. I'm terribly sorry. I had to do it. Look here. My name's Hanny. They're after me. I, I swear I'm innocent. You've got to help me. I've got to keep free for the next few days. Well, you see the men passing in the last few minutes. This is the man you want, I think. When we passed just now... He's way in here and told me his name was Hanny. Is your name Hanny? No. Well, are you coming in to tea, sir? I'll be right along. <laughs> listening to They Must Be Destroyed on Site. The following podcast contains adult language, adult situations, and spoilers for the movies discussed occur often. You've been warned. Now, take it away, Dr. Rausch. They must be destroyed on site. It's They Must Be Destroyed on Site, episode 219, and I'm your host, Lee. Not because I love England, but because it will pay me better, Russell. And I'm joined by my co-host, Daniel, broad-minded old geezer, Harper. How you doing, sir? I'm doing okay, and I'm looking forward to uh, talking about some uh, Lakey Blondes and uh, espionage. Yeah, yeah. Uh, there's plenty of that in, in the film we're going to be covering. Uh, we're going to be yep. covering... Uh, one of uh, Alfred Hitchcock's uh, more famous early films, although it's yeah. the 22nd film he did in his career. Yeah, at that point. yeah I was telling my wife, uh, I actually did watch this with my wife, and I'm like, oh yeah, we're going to look at this. is like kind of his like his big break. He had only been making movies for 15 years. Mm-hmm. So, <laughs> you know, this is early Hitchcock, you see, um, you know. Yeah, but we're going to be doing uh, The 39 Steps from 1935. Before we get into that, we just have a little teeny bit of house cleaning here. We actually got an email, which is very rare uh, for us, but uh, we got one. And uh, this is from Nick. uh, I'm probably going to butcher this name. I believe he's an Italian gentleman. He just joined the Facebook group, by the way, the other day. So uh, Probably shouldn't give his last name then. Yeah, we'll just say Nick. Then yep. we'll go forward there. But uh, it says, Hi, guys. My name's Nick. And a while back, I stumbled across a movie I had never heard of. It completely blew me away. And so ever since, I've been desperately trying to convince everyone across the movie <laughs> fandom to give it a shot and hopefully drag out of complete obscurity. The movie's called The Beast of War, a.k.a. The Beast, from 1988. Uh, it is directed by Kevin Reynolds, starring George uh, Dunn's... Dunza, 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 uh, yep. Jason Patrick, and Stephen Bauer. Uh, it was only released in two screens across the whole of the U.S. Uh, by Columbia Pictures, and I, he says, "I kid you not when I say this is the best 
Hollywood film you've never heard of. Uh, Quentin Tarantino's old writing partner, Roger Avery, has it down as the best movie of 1988 on Letterboxd. And he also has it down as one of his uh, 20 Desert Island films with Apocalypse Now being the only other war film. The film has a rating of 7.3 on IMDb, 3.5 on Letterboxd, but not a single critic review on Rotten Tomatoes, but it does have an audience score of 84%. And he goes on to say a couple podcasts that uh, have reviewed it and favorably... Uh, War Horse vs. War Machine and the Retro Movie Geeks podcast, the latter on the basis of my recommendation. I continue to pester Criterion to do something to save this movie from uh, continual obscurity, but I no longer get anything back from them. Oh well. Please seek uh, this film out. It's available on DVD streaming, so it won't be difficult to track down. If you do see it, let me know if you agree with me that this might be one of the 10 best American movies of the 1980s. Uh, one way or another, we need to find a way to raise this movie's profile and prevent it from continued obs- uh, obscurity once and for all. Just check out the trailer. Thank you. And he linked the trailer to me in the email. And um, yeah, I think we will check this out. I, I did a yeah. little bit of uh, research on this, and um, apparently it, it revolves around a uh, Soviet uh, tank. That Yeah, I'm looking at the Wikipedia page now. It's a Soviet tank that uh, gets uh, the crew of of a Soviet tank can become lost during the Soviet invasion of Afghanistan. The film has enjoyed a cult favorite status in spite of its low box office statistics. Um, Yeah, no, that that looks looks pretty interesting, especially given the, um, you know, given the sort of... recommendation of the fans you know it is it is always fun when stuff that like i've never heard of this movie <laughs> you no, know and i'm assuming you haven't either and yet it seems to be something that like we would at least uh you know like ping, pinged our consciousness at some point so if someone is saying like oh this is actually really good you guys would enjoy it um we should put it on the list for sure oh no uh, we're definitely going to uh i told i told uh, nick that we will get to it eventually uh you know n- yeah. no promises win well we'll try not to make it like five years down the road or right yeah you know, but, well maybe we'll do a little dip into more recent history before we uh end the year like december we can do like a couple of more modern movies and do our kind of end of the year wrap up um you know uh, that, before we dive back into the 30s i think that's probably the way to go that would work because um, I was gonna I was gonna get back um, uh, Matt Simpson from uh, Movie Melt, who was uh, who was on us with um, uh, what was the name of that fucking movie? Uh, it was the one with the haunted train. I can't fucking remember. <laughs> right. But uh, but you know, like I, I reached out to some people. It's like, hey, you want a guest on the show? Here's our fucking master list, and he picked some stuff that was more modern. So I'm like, okay, we'll get you back on. So it'll be it'll be good good excuse to get him back on before the end of the mm-hmm. year or whatever. And, Sounds like a plan, yeah. Yeah. So um, yeah, we will do it. And uh, thanks for the uh, recommendation, Nick. Uh, this sort of stuff actually is really much up our alley. Like we're always like watching like stuff off of Rare Lust and shit that nobody's ever heard of. So uh, yeah. Uh, yeah, so we're going to take a quick break. Uh, we're going to play a little bit of music, um, some podcast promos, and we're going to come back and talk about 39 Steps. You ungodly warlock. Hello, and welcome to Hello, This is the Doom Show. I am Richard. And I hate the burning. Shh, who are you? Speak. <laughs> and I'm Brad. She came in and said, bark, bark, bark. <laughs> and he said, bark, bark, bark. She said, bark, 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 bark. That's what I got. One is the Suspiria boner. The other is the Inferno boner. <laughs> which, anyway. Which one is crying? <laughs> 
<laughs> boner of tears. <laughs> Hello, this is the Doomed Show. Is available on Hello Doomed Show. Automatic.com and doomedmoviethon.com. Hello, hello, this is the Doomed Show. Richard, Brad, Jeffrey, Nava. It's the Doomed Show. Hello, hello, this is the Doomed Show. Slashers, G.I. Low and Horror. It's the Doomed Show. You ungodly warlock. Thirty-nine Steps from 1935, uh, directed by Alfred Hitchcock, and like I said, his twenty-second film at this point. So, uh, well into his career at this point. This is uh, based on a novel from 1915 by John Buch- uh, Buchan. Um, from what I understand, there are some like key changes from the from the novel. Um, most most probably <coughs> the. Uh, Addition of our two main female characters, basically. No, well, that's interesting. Yeah, and also like apparently um, how our uh, hero gets uh, to Scotland and then runs into the uh, into the spy master, basically. Apparently, it's just coincidence in the novel. <laughs> he just out of all the places he could have walked into, he walks into this dude's house. So, well, I think there's a little bit of that going on in this movie, and I think I think we can. There's definitely kind of a bit of plotting that I think we can uh, criticize here, mm-hmm. um, but um, but yeah, we'll uh, save that. Yeah. Uh, also written by uh, Charles Bennett, uh, who did a lot of great stuff. He he worked with Hitchcock on some stuff like The Man Who Knew Too Much, Foreign Correspondent, uh, but he also did uh, some notable uh, genre films like uh, Curse of the Demon, A Voyage to the Bottom of the Sea, and The Lost World. 
and also Ian Hay has a credit here in the writing. And when I was looking at his, at his IMDb, almost all of his stuff was like extra dialogue added by Ian. Right. Hay, so. <laughs> Yeah, I mean, but the, I mean, the script fixing is one of those things that you know. The, I mean, it's it's a it's a perfectly fine thing to do, and it is a skill that um, you know. Um, yeah, anyone. Anyway. Uh, so going for the cast here, and I didn't get too deep into the cast's uh, IMDb's here uh, this time out, but uh, a lot of got, people in this movie. Mm-hmm. Uh, we got yeah. Robert Donut as uh, Henny and. The one thing that jumped out that we should cover at some point is uh, the Adventures of Tartu from 1943. That that kind of stuck stuck out with me. But Ooh, this guy's yeah. this guy's got a real like classic, like uh, you know, uh, early age of Hollywood movie star look. Like right down to his mustache and the way his hair is and everything. Like he just looks like uh, one of those one of those guys. And uh, <laughs> he doesn't so much look like Errol Flynn as much as he looks like a character played by Errol Flynn. Yeah. <laughs> or <laughs> or I was also thinking like maybe like um, uh, Vincent Price's stunt double or something like that. Right. Right. Well. Yeah. Yeah. You know, uh, but uh, he's the, he's kind of like the one person on this cast that actually uh, f- falls back to the died a little too early kind of thing. I guess he yeah looks like he died in 58. Yeah. Like a brain tumor or something like that. Yeah. Yeah. A brain tumor the size of a duck egg and cerebral thrombosis was certified as the primary cause of death. death. He left an estate worth 25,000 pounds. Mm. Yeah. Yeah, he, he left it to his kids, though. He, he split it up with, yeah. with his kids. Um, we have uh, Madeline Carroll as Pamela, who is uh, stunning, and she's like the prototypical um, uh, Hitchcockian cold blonde yeah. uh, trope right, right here. Uh, uh, Lucy Minaham as Miss Smith, and uh, this is a German character actress and cabaret artist who was trained in Berlin. <coughs> uh, early in her career, she often acted alongside Con- uh, Conrad Veidt, um, and she was, of course, one of these uh, Jewish Germans who had to flee Germany before the war. <laughs> Gee, she's acting in British films in 1935. I wonder how that happened. Mm-hmm. Always, always a good German actress. Working in England in the mid thirties. There's only there's kind of one story there. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> um, she's also she's also at the time that this movie was made. She was uh, like thirty six. So uh, you know it is it's like yeah you know, yeah like uh, you know an adult woman. Uh, you know, like later on, Michael Bay would make these with like twenty-two-year-olds, but you know, like, yeah, it'd be like you know, it'd be like uh, just out of her teens. Megan Fox is the German spy. It's like, come on, dude, right. like, you fuck yeah. off. Um, uh, Madeline Carroll looks like was about twenty-nine or so when she made this. So you know, mm-hmm. yeah, and uh, she had a nice long career too. Um, yep. Uh, we have uh, Godfrey uh, Tyrrell as uh, Professor Jordan, uh, Peggy Ashcroft as Crofter's wife, uh, John Laurie as Crofter, Helen Hay as Miss Jordan, Frank uh, Sillier as the Sheriff, Willie Watson as Memory, uh, Gus McNaughton as Commercial Traveler, Jerry Ver- Verno as Commercial Traveler, and Peggy Simpson as Maid. And man, she was cute. Um, I could have, I could have had some extra scenes of just that maid at the door, like, like greeting people. <laughs> yeah, I was, I was quite I was quite enthralled. Um, lots of lots of great women in this. Lots of great women in this. Yeah, and uh, all of them, all of them, probably abused by Alfred Hitchcock, um, both on and off screen. We can we can assume. Yeah, yeah, probably. Um, 
and we have a little uh, synopsis here from Colonel <coughs> Needham on IMDb. Uh, Richard Haney is a Canadian visitor to 1930s London. I, apparently, all Canadians talked like the Brit, the Brits in the 1930s. <laughs> I guess, and they all know the distance from Montreal to Winnipeg. That's, yeah. that's certainly in miles at that. In miles. <laughs> I got fucking news for you. Nobody cared where the fuck Winnipeg was back then, and they don't now. Mr. Memory does. That's the thing. You know. <laughs> uh, after a disturbance at a music hall, he meets Annabelle Smith, who is on the run from foreign agents. He takes her back to his apartment, but they are followed, and later that night, Annabelle is murdered. And he goes on the run to break the spy ring and thus prove his innocence. And yeah, that's a nice little back-of-the-box synopsis there, I'd say. Um, I'm assuming this is a first-time watch for both of us. Yeah, first-time watch. Yes, yeah, so, uh, obviously, uh, obviously, I'm familiar with Hitchcock from mm-hmm. from a lot of other stuff, but uh, big big holes in my Hitchcock knowledge, and this is one of them. Um, this kind of often gets called the first of his kind of big like. This is kind of when Hitchcock becomes Hitchcock in a way, right? You know, yeah. not that he hadn't had some great films before this, but this is where like oh the the formula that he's going to become known for by, you know, ordinary man pursued by sinister forces, a conspiracy of some kind of thriller. And then he uh, hooks up with uh, usually a statuesque blonde Mm -hmm. um, and uh, (laughs) who is abused on and off screen. And then, uh, you know, things happen and uh, you get, uh, you get a little hanky panky at the end. And then that's, that's the, that's the movie, right? Um, Yeah. (laughs) Yeah, And you get, you get your uh, MacGuffin in this as well. In this case, it's uh information in the head of a person is, is the MacGuffin here. Right. Now, it's interesting how, um, you know, I kind of went into this completely blind. I guess we should start conversating now, uh, mm-hmm. but uh, you know, I kind of I kind of went into this one a little bit blind, um, and I didn't, you know, kind of know what what uh, to I expect. Had... I didn't, you know, sometimes I'll like watch the, you know, I'll watch the like the the trailer, or I'll check out a little bit of the IMDb stuff, or I'll kind of read a little bit with Wikipedia, just so that I'm I know I'm kind of on with the plot if I know I'm going to be talking about it. Uh, but this time I really kind of just started cold, and I just kind of put it on, and I'm like, what is this Mister Memory thing? <laughs> you know? Like, it's like, is it, am I watching the right movie? And then I put it up on Wikipedia, and I'm like, okay, 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 I'm definitely watching the right movie. Okay, we're we're good. I know I know what's going on here. And you think it's just the strangest bit, and then it ends up like. Every like nearly every element of the film comes back yeah. to be referenced at some point by the end of the film. So you get almost every character, you run across almost every character twice. Um, and so it has this like, it has this kind of weird, um, you know, kind of parallel structure, almost almost like a, a little bit like a palindrome where like it, it begins and ends in the same place and like different mm-hmm. pieces kind of come back and forth. Um, with one kind of. Um, uh, I mean, one kind of other thing that just kind of sticks out. I don't know. Even that kind of has its. Uh, anyway, um, I really enjoyed this. I, I think it's. Uh, I mean, it is. We say this a lot, but we've watched so many amazing movies this year that like yeah. this would very easily be on my top ten in any other year. And it's just kind of like, no, no, this is great. It's entertaining. I mean, it it's Hitchcock kind of being born. Um, there's a lot of great performances in this. I mean, it's really hard to find anything to really like quibble about, yep. except for one element of the structure, which I'll get to here um, uh, shortly. But, um, you know, it's entertaining. It's an hour and 26 minutes long. It doesn't feel, I mean, it feels even shorter than that. I mean, it, it kind of flies um, in the best way, in, the, in, a, in a very good way. Um, and yet, like, it may not make the top 10 just because we've watched so much of the great stuff yeah. this year. But but it's definitely, it's definitely up there. Um, 
it's free on YouTube right now. Mm. Um, on Amazon Prime, the version uh, on Amazon Prime not only has a watermark, but it's in really shitty quality. Um, oh. So there is like a rentable version, which I think comes from the Criterion oh. um, print, um, or you can watch it. I know it is for free on YouTube, but um, I had already started the the. Um, Prime version and then didn't, didn't switch over, so I actually watched the really shitty print of this, <laughs> um, you know. Uh, but I did check YouTube and I was like, eh, I'm not gonna bother. I can I can watch this. It's fine. And you know, this is the version. If I if I had seen this on Turner Classic Movies in 1997, then it probably would have looked a lot like this. So you know, it was it was yeah. kind of it was almost it was almost going back to the old days, you know. But uh, yeah, yeah. Uh, like you, um, I didn't actually have any knowledge of what this was like. Um, back in the day, I, I always heard this title, like the 39 yeah. Steps, and I saw like the Criterion cover, and it looked like something totally different than what I expected this to be. I don't know. <laughs> I, I, for some reason, I had it in the back of my head that, oh, it must be like a um, like a Japanese movie or something like that. Like It must be some like weird foreign movie that uh, I've never heard of. But no, it's it's not at all. It's 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 a British movie. Oh, I see. I see what you mean there. Oh, it looks like they're they're doing like a North by Northwest thing with it, aren't they? Because mm-hmm. yeah. they've got the 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 man, you know, in the plane, and then there's a well on a plane, mm-hmm. on a broad plane, and then there's a an auto gyro flying above him. <laughs> <laughs> Gee, I know. I see what you did there, guys. I see what yeah. you did there. Yeah. yeah. Um. But yeah, it, like all the sort of proto Hitchcock stuff in here is really good. Uh, you, you you see his techniques right from the get go. Um, mm-hmm. uh, re- really like the the economy of his filmmaking. Um, yeah. Like he only shows you what he wants to show you. Like there's a lot of there's a lot of times where there's like harsh cuts. Like uh, our hero Hanny is like in a bad situation, and it doesn't show you how he escapes it. Like uh, right. so. One of my favorite things that that popped up in this, and this is a little bit later on in the film, um, so he, he he's on the run. So, like, uh, the basic story, he, he meets up with the spy. She gives him some information. Oh, I got to go to Scotland to do something. <coughs> These men are chasing me. Uh, now that I've talked to you, they're going to chase you, which happens. Uh, you know, they get the police after him and everything, and he's suspected of murdering her after they kill her. Um so the only thing he can do is he's going to run to Scotland. Uh, he he jumps in a train. Uh, he uh, he uh, sexually assaults the uh, our, our blood <laughs> heroine. Yeah, yeah, that's really uncomfortable. That's really really uncomfortable. And you're like, well, at least that was only one scene. At least it was only it was only it was only it was only for two minutes. And so okay. We'll although, give it a pass, and the then camera, she comes back. Yeah. Although, although oh, the camera lingers oh. on Pamela, like being very uncomfortable and like yeah, watching no, and, yeah, but, yeah, yeah. Um, uh, but you know, to her credit, she's like, "Fuck you." <laughs> yeah. No. 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 I, of course, she's portrayed as being obstinate for that, right? Like that's meant to be, like you know, oh, she'll come around in the end because you know he's our hero, and of course she's gonna want to fuck him. But originally, you just think like, oh, it's just like. She's kind of like the film is sort of portraying her as being kind of nasty to him by not believing the crazy story of like they I I found this woman I, they killed her I'm being pursued by spies and I'm like yeah no I wouldn't believe you either dude yeah, <laughs> you know? no, like exactly. this is not a this is not a believable story as the milkman indicates you know <laughs> like, yeah. like a little bit earlier right but I go ahead go ahead and uh, go ahead and move on to your to yours I think I know which moment you're referring to yeah okay so. So he go. So he he makes his way to Scotland, and um, 
and there, there's a bunch of amazing stuff actually in Scotland when he gets there. But uh, the the one scene I'm thinking of is like he he gets to the house of the contact that the spy was supposed to, right. to get to, and so through the reveal of it, um, uh, she she says like you know the the head of the spies that are trying to kill me or whatever. You know he's missing. He's missing most of his uh, pinky finger on his right hand or whatever, right? Right. And so you know, so Hanny goes there. He's welcomed in because he knows the name of the spy. Um, and 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 the spy master guy, you know, takes him into a study and they have a conversation. And Hanny, you know, spills the beans. Oh, I know this and that. And it's like, and the spy master just sort of calmly like, well, I got news for you. I'm fucking guy. I, I don't have my, <laughs> I don't have my fucking pinky and. And then he, you know, he sort of calmly, like, rationally, like, okay, so you're at my house. My wife and my daughter are here. We got friends over. Yep. You can't leave. Uh, you, you know, so here's a gun if you want it. You can shoot yourself, and we'll just say, oh, you know, the murderer killed himself or whatever. That's that's not important. The The thing that's cool here is the initial party scene where, where they get in, yep. in there. I was noticing that... You see a lot of fucking hands in that scene. Mm-hmm. And this and you know a lot of his shots early on are tight and they're not showing a lot of information. He has a wide shot here, where at the same time he's not showing the information you need to know because you never really see the spymaster's hands clearly right. until they get into the study and then he <clears throat> shows off his pinky. And I'm like, holy fuck, you, <laughs> you son of a bitch! <laughs> that, that is really great filmmaking. Like it, it just, oh, yeah. you know. It just just distracts you from what you're supposed to actually see, and uh, yeah, right. Uh, and you're distracted in the same way that Hannah in in, mm-hmm. in, in character is distracted, um, which uh, is a detail I didn't even notice. Like that, but that little bit of filmmaking. I mean, there is a lot of like really interesting kind of visual storytelling here. Um, this is Hitchcock doing Hitchcock, even though it's mm-hmm. early in his career. I mean, it, it feels definitively very Hitchcockian. Um, I thought you were going to refer to the bit a little bit later when you know after he says, uh, you know. You can just shoot yourself in the head, and he's like, "Oh, I'm not going to do that." Oh well, I'll just shoot you then. And then he shoots him, mm-hmm. and then the bullet ends up lodged in. So like, you get like a shot where he's like, Ugh, and then he like slumps over, and you just kind of cut to Hannah like talking to a police inspector. Yeah, and the whole like thing, is, and then he tells like the narrative. Like you don't even see this like bit of drama. You don't get this like ten minute sequence of them like dragging the body out and then him waking up and then escaping, et cetera. He just sort of tells the story. And the way instead what you do is you cut back to the place where he got the jacket where the hymn book was in and you had been told that like the guy who actually owns the jacket is just like deeply religious fucked up uh uh <laughs> Yeah, we can talk about we should talk about this 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 scene here in a minute. But yeah. you get like this little callback to those two characters, and then of course, like who gets beaten in the face after she swore that he wasn't going to do that? Oh God, like you know, brutalizing women. Alfred Hitchcock, congratulations, you know. Oh, that, that more like whole, Alfred Hitch Dick, right? You know, yeah, that but, um, that whole fucking segment, man. Yeah, there's there's a whole there's a whole movie right in that segment. Oh yeah, oh yeah. I mean, I would watch this movie of like you know escaped guy kind of comes in and this like psychological thriller of like we're in this mm-hmm. farmhouse and the cops are kind of encircling. I mean, again, you're you're absolutely right. There is an entire movie like a low budget thriller just in that sequence, right? Mm-hmm. <laughs> and Hitchcock just kind of gives you that whole story and then just kind of moves us along into the next yep. thing. I do wonder if that's in the, how much of that is in the original novel. Um, that, that, that's kind of yeah. an interesting question, you know? That, that, um, 
and we should talk about that. The, the one um, criticism that I have of the film. Uh-huh. <clears throat> sorry, I got a little bit of an itch in my throat. I apologize. I'm going to die of coronavirus. That's what's happening. Um, no, that's not what's happening at all. Um, the one um, kind of structural defect that I see is because he runs into the woman on the train, the mm-hmm. Pamela, who's going to end up being our kind of femme fatale at the hour, not femme fatale, but she's going to end up being our co-lead yeah. um, towards the end. Um, and he kisses her and then she like turns him over to the cops and there's like a chase scene or whatever. And then you run into the Scottish farm and he hangs out there and he has this kind of like kind of touching relationship with this woman this- who really there's a much more authentic connection between these two characters. Like these are the two characters who really should be like, he should take her off with him or something like that. And that should be kind of the the structure of the, like the back half of the movie, or he should meet her first run into Pamela. And then like, he gets handcuffed to Pamela at that point. And then you have the sort of romantic comedy abusive thing that happens in the latter, like third of this movie. It should be like the latter half. Right. And that, that would sort of fit the, like sort of the narrative structure works there because as it is in the film now, he runs out of Pamela. He goes off and has his other little Scottish townhouse adventure. He runs into her later. Well, inadvertently being forced to be give a political speech <laughs> you know yeah. like like there's a little there's a lot of comedy in this and, it, and it's i mean it's a pretty good little moment because he suddenly he finds himself on stage and then like oh you got to give a political speech and uh introduce this guy and you know the audience kind of loves him well, or whatever yeah, <clears throat> sorry there's, there's, but then he runs into pamela by chance there right yeah. and then you get sort of the rest of the movie which is really what the whole movie has been kind of leading to this relationship and really we should have started that like 20 minutes earlier. But. And we have, like, no ex- explanation why Pamela's at that political speech or anything like that. Right. There's no character, right? But, yeah. I mean, the yeah, the last the last third of the film is a total tonal shift, and usually that would be a problem, but I think it actually kind of works. Like, it, it kind of hangs together. But it, it becomes a romantic screwball comedy. Oh, yeah, right? no, definitely. Together, right? Yeah. And... Uh, and you know you just watch it and like it actually gets kind of sexy too once they're like, oh it gets together. very yeah. sexy it gets very sexy very fast um you know like that, that you shot know. where they're in that that inn and and he's like uh she's got to pull her skirt up or whatever you know <laughs> well he's like he's like would you like to take your your skirt off and she's like and she's like it's soaked but like i'm not like no i'm handcuffed to you and i don't want to be and he's already been like forcing her to be quiet when like the when the old woman's in and you know there he tells the story he's holding a gun on her yeah no it's it's <laughs> our hero yeah ladies and our hero our hero <laughs> and this is heroic male lead behavior and then he's like hey would you like to take your skirt off and like it's portrayed as being like oh it's kind of charming he's just trying to help her out and she's kind of being a little bit of a prude about it and then he's and then she's like but my stockings i would like to take off my stockings and we get a a look i mean i'm not like uh, no prude here, right? Like, obviously, yeah. we are happy to talk about, like, sex comedy and sexy things and movies and all this sort of thing. It is a lovely look. But the camera literally pans down, and we watch her remove both of her stockings onto bare legs. How how do And he gets his hand on her knee at one point because yeah. they're handcuffed together and it just has uh-huh. to happen that way. How the fuck did this get past the censor board? This is this is right this is right at that like code era, I guess. Mm. I mean, it just kind of fell through the cracks. I mean, it's amazing that that like that's about as explicitly sexual as like 
anything that we've seen in a movie from this era. <laughs> you know, it's 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 incredible. I mean, it's an amazing little moment in the movie. Um, and then they, he just like, and then they do like domestic comedy thing. Like he hangs up her stockings for her, and you know, he, they're eating sandwiches and they get in the bed and they have a little bicker thing, you know. And all this material, like, it feels very generic in a way because it's the sort of thing that like we've just seen this done over and over and over again but the actors make it work you know there is a charm between the actors if you just sort of like take the this is horrifyingly abusive element (laughs) and just sort of (laughs) accept it as like part of the thing and the fact that it is this like huge tonal shift it works on its own terms right but like wow what a what a what a thing to happen <laughs> in this movie, right? You know? It, it, I, like, I'm, I'm trying to think of, like, examples of this that really sort of happened before this, too. Like, yeah, this, this feels like it's very much kind of the primordial version of right. female, male lead who hate each other tied together by some weird way, whether it's fit, literally tied together or they're just stuck together in a situation and they're pickering. And then eventually, of course they fall in love, even though the guy's probably a fucking dick and, and the, the chick just wants <laughs> right. to be the hell out of there. <laughs> and yeah, no, but it, 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 it's, it's strangely just fucking works. I, uh, it's, it's just like, it's, it's one of those things where it's like Alfred Hitchcock's such a great filmmaker right? that you sort of like, okay, on any you know realistic terms, this is the shittiest fucking behavior from people that you could hope to ever see, and but it works in the movie. It, it works. Yeah. So, yeah. I mean, you get this. You get the, it becomes a little bit of a romp for a while. You know, you kind of leave that like thriller behavior behind. I mean, the thriller plot's still kind of happening, but it becomes more more comedic it becomes it, it starts to kind of play up the you know the 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 tension that was sort of being built up during the rest of the movie and they are still being chased and the um like the secret agent what's his name um uh jordan like shows up mm-hmm. in the in this inn and then the landlady <laughs> like well, they no, buy a drink and he buys a hot whiskey he buys yeah. a hot whiskey right you it's know not, it's, it's not jordan actually it, it's uh, jordan's subordinates one of them who is oh, okay like the, uh the policeman that uh, hanny was telling a story to after he gets shot. Uh, so it's like the, the conspiracy goes like, uh, like right, different right, levels right. of society, right? Uh, the 39 steps, the titular 39 steps is actually right. this, this basically um, this, this group of uh, this uh, spies or whatever, who are trying right. to like steal secrets. But, uh, but yeah, it, yeah. Hot whiskey. <laughs> hot whiskey. I, I looked it up. I looked it up. Apparently it's Irish whiskey. With lemons that are studded with like cloves, yeah, in the in the whiskey, and then you top it off with hot water, and it's like a uh, like a cold weather like getting over okay. the flu kind of kind of getting sense. over a cold kind of drink, um, and it's on like hot what what it's like I want a hot whiskey. It's like okay, I'll get water, and it's like hold on, what is this? <laughs> you know, <laughs> it's like whiskey fans. You know, you and I, uh, you and I enjoy our whiskey. It was kind of like hold on, what is what is this thing? I don't know what it is, and so I did. I didn't like Google it. And I'm like, oh, okay, that makes sense. That actually sounds pretty nice on like a cold. You know, it doesn't seem like it's quite cold enough there for for that to be like the the appealing drink. But he orders a drink. Yeah, and um. The landlady comes down and like hears that like oh did you have like a young couple come through here mm. and the landlady is uh, believing that these are like run runaway kids and yeah. they're being like sought after by 
whatever authority goes after the father or whatever it's like, like the father yeah. like you sort of get the sense of like there is this like kind of oppressive like anti-sex social structure this is kind of happening mm-hmm. in rural scotland at this point and uh the landlady's like no they need to get their bone on like this yeah. is what needs to happen here clearly these two need to have some hardcore fucking that's that's her <laughs> opinion of this don't don't bother the lovebirds despite the fact that she looks terrified the entire time and he's got a gun on her <laughs> you know? that's that's part of the comedy thing right it's because right, yeah. he's the most un- they're like they're the most unconvincing couple ever but the right. landlady and the landlord are just a little little they're not catching on and you can imagine this is like an like an 80s like you know um a tom hanks vehicle a little bit <laughs> Like, you know, you can imagine, you know, like like Tom Hanks and Bo Derek or something in like yeah. 1984 do this or like, a, like Bruce Willis. There's this movie like Blind Date. I think it's uh, Michelle Pfeiffer, maybe in Bruce oh, Willis. Isn't it's not Michelle Pfeiffer. He's got a bunch of different women in that, doesn't he? Yeah. Yeah. I, I think uh, um, Marina Sirtis or whatever, Deanna Troy is one of the women he dates or something. In <laughs> Apparently, we need to do more of these kinds of movies. But there's a there's a there's a Bruce Willis movie called Blind Date, and I forget exactly. But you can imagine this being played much more for comedy. Like if there was, I mean, you know, it is played for comedy here, but you can sort of imagine the uh, the, the kind of alternate version of that. So. She comes the the landlady uh, comes down and kicks the guys out, not because she's like convinced of like the righteousness of this like guy is actually innocent or anything, mm-hmm. but because she wants the like lovebirds to be able to get it on. And the excuse that she gives is, "No, I'm giving your money back. You're not going to turn us in for serving you alcohol past hours. <laughs> yeah. know, like we're not allowed to do this. We're going to lose our license, etc." And then it just. It's just over. It's like, oh, there were there were some lovebirds coming through here. I we should definitely, you know, although massive very- spy operation, like the German yeah. spy operation, defeated by insistent landlady. That's the which, that's which is the, which is know. cute, and and the and the and the and it works in that way because uh, if if they if they decided to push the issue, their cover would be blown, so they have to leave. But if if they were just the actual cops who were not connected to the spy agency. They would have already arrested them because they already got served the the booze and already paid for it. So <laughs> right, right, yeah. <laughs> um, Blind date is nineteen eighty seven, and it was uh, Bruce Willis and Kim Basinger. So um, okay, yeah, Kim Basinger, that that works. Yeah, that, yeah. That, that's, so. that's, that's a good. <laughs> <laughs> so yeah, so yeah. Um, but yeah, no, it's just it's just kind of interesting that they that, that it's sort of like every element sort of works, like every scene sort of works on its own, like built-in internal logic, and all the mm-hmm. character motivations make sense in the moment, even though you kind of like lean back from it and kind of look at it in a big picture, and it's like this doesn't like it, it doesn't really make sense, it's like not, it doesn't really hold together. It holds together narratively, but not like it's logically. Not a, it's not it's not what you would consider a uh, a taut. Uh, a streamlined thriller or anything like right. that. Like it's very ramshackle. It just sort of like uh, you almost expect the b- both our characters to be like drunk, like in the Thin Man, you know, and, and they're just like <laughs> right. through scene to scene, right? You know, kind of thing. Right, right. And you could uh, you can kind of imagine a um, y- you know again like a lot of the Hitchcock vehicles sort of work this way, right? Like mm-hmm. you know North by Northwest for all of its like. <laughs> You know, for all of, for all of for all of its great qualities, also has a little bit of a kind of a ramshackle. Like we kind of go from like scene to scene to scene, and not always clear exactly what's kind of going on. And you know that kind of refrigerator logic thing of like 
you know, later on, I got up in the middle of the night and went to the refrigerator and went like, so wait a minute, why didn't they just arrest him at that moment? <laughs> you know, like, you know, like, um, so there's, there's a lot of that kind of going on here. Um, but it does, it does mostly work. I did watch it kind of this evening, just a little bit ago. Mm-hmm. Um, and, and again, thoroughly enjoyed it. I think it's, it's very much, um, very much a great film. Clearly. I mean, it's, it's one that I would, um, there have been a couple of remakes of this, um, and I yeah. don't know if you kind of found that, if you I wanted to kind of talk a little bit about that in your, um, but uh, we should probably, I don't know, what else? <laughs> I feel like we're at 40 minutes. I feel like there's there's more here you know, for us to well, talk about. I mean, uh, I guess we should talk a little bit more about the Scottish, uh, yeah, Scottish so, scene. Yeah. So, so Hanny, when he first gets into Scotland, he jumps the train and he's in the, you know, he's in, he's in the Scottish moors, basically walking around and he runs into this farmhouse and he meets this guy who's, you, you can tell right from the get go, he's a bit of a fucking dick. Um, <laughs> John Laurie, the mm-hmm. crofter, apparently crofter is a, is a, the, uh, the word for farmer. Yeah, uh, because it's Scotland, but okay. Uh, but so uh, you know, he's like, he makes up this bullshit story, and he does. Uh, yeah, I'm, I'm, I'm here. I'm just wandering around looking for a job. Uh, you know, I'm a mechanic or whatever. And you know, the crofter's like, we don't need a fucking mechanic here. You, do you, you see what's going on here? It's like nobody's got machines in this fucking place. Like, <laughs> so immediately he's suspicious of him. And but you know, Hanny's like, well, okay, um, can I get over to that uh, manor house over there? So well, yeah, it's like 14 miles away. So you, you probably, you know, you're not going to make it there tonight. So it's like, can I stay the night? And so the crofter's like, well, you can if you got money, if the money's right, because uh, this guy might be a sort of like super pious religious dick but he he likes money he likes it really he, kn- well. he knows the value of a two and six uh, which is how much <laughs> yeah. he pays prior to the decimalization of currency in the uk but uh you know so he you know he, he gets he gets into the the house he meets the crofter's much younger wife um, <laughs> no was this your daughter that's my wife mm-hmm. yeah that's probably your third wife i'm, I'm sure that yeah this is this is not at all creepy you know and he's probably killed his previous two wives <laughs> right with no children mm-hmm. <laughs> this guy is like clearly in his 60s shooting blanks <laughs> all over the place yeah 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 um but so they get in there and you know even though this farm is super isolated the newspaper still has a story of how there's there's yeah. runaway murderer in this in the scottish countryside and you should look out for him and apparently they what, get the london times and you know they get like the, the fresh daily paper out here in this like incredibly rural village and they read it every day because this is clearly something although given the wife because the wife there's this there's this again this interesting kind of character moment this dynamic between the two of them mm-hmm. this is a much more interesting relationship between Hannah and the and the and a female lead because like she has been kind of like dragooned off into this like middle of nowhere but she wants to go and see london and you know paris and it's like i've seen paris and london and montreal and one of those cities is not like the others but yeah she's even she's even down to probably see winnipeg at this point right (laughs) yeah and she's living with this guy out in the middle of fucking nowhere in scotland you know like but she wants to see like this she wants to see the city she wants to be closer to civilization and uh you know the the farmer the crofters like you know God made the country, and it's like, oh well, okay, congratulations. But you can imagine, like, she's the one. The newspapers for her. The newspapers for her. Yeah. So yeah. I guess I guess that sort of makes sense, you know. So you know, anyway, they they get to talk and they 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 hit it off. Uh, the the crafter is like peering in the window, seeing them talk, and takes it totally the wrong way. Like, although probably not necessarily totally the wrong way, because if if he yeah. took her away, they would be fucking. You know that that would happen. <laughs> but, yeah. 
But he suspects that's what's going on right now, right? That, oh, they're, right, they're right. planning the fuck. But really, it's she's sympathetic to his plight. She believes him, and she's like, okay, I'll help you out. And when she sees the police coming down the road from a couple miles away, she's like, we got to get you the fuck out of here. And yeah, they, 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 they do their siren. Like, mm-hmm. you know, they're driving with a siren on to, like, capture the escaped, con- or the, the, the man on the lamb, right? So, yeah, maybe maybe not the brightest thing, you know? No, the cop, the, the, some of the cops in this are pretty keystone cops. Like, <laughs> yeah, no, yeah. It's, it's very much like, hold on, are they actually doing the siren? Like, I understand that, like, this is how, like, the farmer's wife could, like, you could see her just kind of, like, watching out the window and seeing in the distance the car coming or something like that and kind of, like, I mean, and that would build a little bit more tension. It does. It does feel like the as good as Hitchcock is at directing this. There is like like that like indicate indicate that it's the police coming, you know, to the audience. Even though it, again, it makes no logical sense why they've been running this because <laughs> it's like forty, like it's a two hour drive or something. Mm-hmm. You know, like how are they running the siren for like two hours? <laughs> Although you know, Hanny Hanny does you know later on make a remark like when when he's finally captured again. And he's, you know, he's handcuffed to Pamela in the car or whatever. Um, you know, the, the the cops stop at a bridge because there's a bunch of fucking, like, a big flock of sheep just there. Right. And, and the cops are like, what the fuck's that? And Hanny looks at the window. Oh, it's a bunch of detectives. You know, it's like. <laughs> <laughs> but, yeah, but no, no. So, so she wakes him up mm-hmm. in the. Um, she wakes up and is like, okay, you've got to run now. You've got to go. And she's going to get him out. And he's sleeping. Like, they offer him for the two and six. He gets to sleep in a box. Mm-hmm. It's like, They just have a box sitting there off the side. Like, what, is this like a coal cellar? I'm not sure quite it's, what it's this is supposed of, to be. Uh, some sort of, like, like cupboard, I guess like Some sort like of cupboard. Like, yes. Yeah, yeah. You just got, like, a pantry. An empty pantry out in the, you know, oh, okay. That's she's fine. Got, uh, she's got sheets and stuff in it. So, obviously, yeah. like. They've rented it out to other people at some point, or she. I, I guess. Director, he's <laughs> Jesus Christ, that's yeah. that's dark, man. Yeah, no. You can like imagine, like on the inside, it's got like a bunch of like like hash marks, you know, like you know. It's so horrific because you know. Yeah. So you know the crofter catches them. Oh, you're gonna <laughs> my wife, huh? Like no. Well, uh, yeah. Until you showed up. Come on, yeah. you know. Well, like maybe later, but we were just trying to escape right now. Uh, I might come back for her later, you know, if if I was a decent sort of person. But yeah. um, but no, he's like no. I'm just trying to escape the cops. Uh, they they want me for murder or whatever. And the crofter doesn't seem too nonplussed about that because he mentions like, if you help me escape, I'll give you a fiver. And it's like all right. Uh, but although he gets down to the door and it's like uh, apparently he inquires about a reward and right yeah. the, the cops <laughs> offer more yeah no my favorite bit on that just on you know like you know oh are you trying to fuck my wife no sir this one is willing and happily would happily consent therefore I must go find the other woman who was yeah. not consenting that's that's the way that's the way this works do you not understand sir like well, that, this one actually it welcomes my my embrace um, so. I mean that that's that's the logic of uh, Hitchcock's uh, fetish though but, you know the leggy yeah. blonde of course is down for the sex it's not right. you know, plain Jane brunette who gives a fuck about those right <laughs> right well and like this one there was an actual like character relationship between them and you can actually buy them as like building some kind of like chemistry that is not just like these are two attractive actors who 
building chemistry. Like the story gives them a reason. Yeah. Like they actually have character motivation. <laughs> like this is where I do want to read the book and kind of go like, where did this go off the rails? Because you yeah. can certainly imagine in the book, like there isn't like the statuesque blonde that it really that it really does look a lot more like he runs into this girl and then they mm-hmm. kind of and then she becomes kind of the heroine right. in the yeah. second half, you know? Yeah, because the the spy and the blonde are not in the in the book. At least <laughs> right, the right, spy. right. So, but yeah, so it, it ends on like this, uh, you know, tight shot on the face of the poor woman who is, you know, she just realized her best chance of getting the fuck out of there just ran out the door. <laughs> And then, of course, we get the fucking exclamation on that later where we hear her getting beat off screen because right. she gave the jacket to the guy that had the, the fucking Bible in it or whatever. And she admitted to it. It was a hymn book. It was a hymnal, right? She admits to it as well. I mean, she could very easily have gone like, oh, no, that guy, he just totally stole your jacket. Mm-hmm. <laughs> you, know? Like, you know, it's like, yeah, no, this is this is really deeply unhealthy. <laughs> it's so bad. Yeah, it's, no, so bad. it's so terrible. Yeah. But at the same time, great movie. Uh, yeah. And then uh, Mr. Memory comes back, and it yeah. turns out that the best way, uh, when you need to get plans for your silent gyrocopter um, from the English War Office or the British War Office into Germany, the best way to do it is to find someone who's just very good at memorizing things. So that way, you don't have to, you can briefly steal the plans and force this guy to memorize them. It's kind of unclear exactly what's going on here. Yeah. Like, because. You think like, oh, this guy's just kind of in on it, and he's kind of like he's like betraying his country or whatever, and he's kind of but like he's using his like memory techniques. Like he's this guy who's just he memorizes fifty facts a day, and he never forgets anything. And of course, he kind of goes off and he's kind of doing this like on stage routine of like I'm just going to answer trivia questions, <laughs> and the whole thing is like it's all like just sports. It's all you know who won the, who won the Kentucky Derby in such and such year. <laughs> You know, it's like, yeah, 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 it's very easy. It's very easy to please the ribs if you just like have a sports almanac committed to memory. Still, there's another interesting movie there about that character who gets, you know, he like he's just so brilliant at facts or whatever and memorizing stuff that like a spy agency and I mean, spy agencies have historically done really weird batshit stuff to try to, you know. You know, conceal and transport. But, but the idea, like, they can steal the plans long enough to get it to this guy mm-hmm. and then have him memorize the plans. But they can't just, I mean, there's not a such thing as, like, a photocopier in this time period, yeah, right? Yeah. But they can't just, like, draw it. Like, they can't, like, like, they give it to this guy to memorize. And you sort of get, like, you get it. The idea is, like, we have to get it across, like, a customs border or something. Yeah. And we're going to get searched or, you know, some kind of logic like that. And they can't kind of show up that's that way. That's what I suspect. You know, right? that's sort of the, the version. I mean, we really don't get that. And then you don't really get a sense of, like, Mr. Memory as a character, whether, like, he's betraying his country or he's being kind of forced to do this. Or they just kind of gave him a job and yeah. said, like, memorize this. Because... He gets shot, and then, like, kind of the end of the movie is him saying what this thing is, and it's the MacGuffin is this, like, plan for the, like, the silent, silent, silent airplane, right? Yeah, like, he, he sort of indicates it's a burden on him, like... Right, know, like, like it's never- the hardest thing I ever had to learn, and it's, you know, like, the plans for this, so, like, it goes 60 degrees, and then, you know, like, the mathematical so, formula, uh, and... Apparently a, a silent gyrocopter. Right, right. Is what it is, so that would, you know, that'd be useful in spying, apparently, but... Um, I mean, it's stealth technology, apparently. I mean, you know, it's the sort of thing that, like, the novel 
novel was written in 1915 and the movie's made in 1939. And it's a detail that makes a lot more sense in 1915 than it does in 1939, <laughs> you know? Yeah. Because the idea of, you know, like we're in the middle of like World War One, and suddenly somebody builds a plane that you can't hear coming. Yeah. You know, so that they can like strafe your like bomb you or whatever in those kind of early days, as opposed to like in 1939, this is still pre radar, but it's, you know, they're a lot more, we're a lot more attuned to that sort of thing. And so yeah. you're looking at more like an industrial, like war capability. So I don't know, like it's a, it's a different kind of, <laughs> I don't know. They could have changed that detail, but it, it it's just charming. I just imagine like Monty Burns and his gyrocopter, you know, <laughs> like that's the thing that the, that's, that's the, like the big advantage that the English have over the Germans is they have the stealth technology and they have to maintain the gyrocopter gap. <laughs> Look at these smithers. I'm going to bomb the guns. <laughs> Um, but yeah, no, and then he like reads out this like, you know, gobbledygook of, yeah. you know, formula and then he just like, that's the hardest thing I ever had to learn and then he dies. He skills over and dies and it's like, yeah. well, end of movie and we know that because uh, in the same shot, uh, our leads are holding hands now, so they're gonna go and um, get married apparently. Yeah, he's just gonna... Poor, poor, poor Scottish girl. Poor Scottish girl. She's just gonna. <laughs> she's gonna be buried. She's gonna be buried in the backyard. She's gonna be buried in the garden in a couple of years. I mean, that, honestly, it, it's that decision that make like the as well as this movie's made. It's that decision that just like yeah, you got no chance on my best of list this year. Mm-hmm. It's not gonna happen. Right. <laughs> yeah. So kind of kind of kickstarts Hitchcock's career, right? This kind of yeah, becomes yeah. like the thing that really kind of and you know is. This is kind of proto Hitchcock, but honestly, I mean, all the sort of like misogyny aside, I mean, mm-hmm. all like I would probably rewatch this before I would watch other better, quote unquote, better Hitchcock films that are kind of later in his career, mm-hmm. because I do think it's it's kind of interesting in the way that it shifts tone and the way that it sort of the weird structure yeah. and that like that that scene with the scottish woman is actually kind of touching and interesting you know like there's a lot of interesting stuff here um yeah so you know i probably would watch this again before i'd watch north by northwest again you know not to say this is a, i mean this is probably on par with my north by with north I, by northwest so. you know i mean i don't think it's a scratch on say like vertigo i think vertigo is clearly a better movie and I like mean, rear window is clearly a better movie but you know yeah, and I mean, and you get into the like the visual aspects at that point right. when you look at Vertigo in full color, and it's like, oh my god, like, yeah, yeah, what are you even talking about? Um, so we should just look here. Is there any tr- trivia I didn't cover? Oh yeah, here we go. Here's 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 Hitchcock abusing. Oh, <laughs> actors. lovely, lovely, lovely. Yeah. Before filming the scene where uh, Hanny and Pamela run through the countryside, Alfred Hitchcock handcuffed them together and pretended for several hours to have lost the key in order to put them oh. in the right frame of mind for such a situation. Oh. Like, oh you, you evil man. Oh, <laughs> <laughs> uh, all right. Yeah, that's method directing, I guess. Or something. Yeah, method directing. Yeah, no, I'm gonna force a good performance out of you. I mean, 20 years before method became a thing, you know. We're just gonna. Like, I mean, from know. the guy who had no respect for actors, he didn't care. Mm. He just, they were just toys for him. Actors or cattle, I think, is the uh, famous so, line. Yeah, I think that's what it was. Uh, but yeah, there were, there have been remakes. Um, 39 Steps from 59. Uh, there were two in 78. Uh, yeah. 
the 39 steps uh, actually done out in in uh, letters instead of the you know 39 steps um, and I a, a film from India a version from India called Chakra Vunya mm-hmm. something like that uh, and there was also a 39 steps TV movie from 2008. So, yeah, from B- from the BBC apparently. Was it? Okay. Yeah, I was because I watched it on Amazon Prime, you know. And you look, you know, you kind of go back, and it brings up the thing where I had searched for thirty nine sep- steps, and then suddenly, like, there's a version clearly made in the late seventies. <laughs> there's like the BBC adaptation, and they're all just kind of sitting there. And I'm like, wow, that would it would be interesting. It would be interesting to see one of those um, later adaptations just to see how they deal with. A lot of the stuff that we're criticizing, That's this sort of like the vicious misogyny stuff, you know, like, I'm, or if they're if they're more, um, if they're better adaptations in the novel as well, I think would be a more interesting, you know, question is like, yeah. do they kind of go back to the novel and say we're going to read that, we're going to adapt to the novel, and you know, I don't know, that would something that if we were like actually good at our jobs, we would have figured out before we <laughs> and recorded this, but, you know. Yeah, yeah, but you know, actually, I actually plan on at least watching a couple of those, especially the yeah. The, yeah, the, the English uh, seventy-eight version. Uh, I think I will definitely check out. Um, so uh, the budget for this was uh, sixty thousand um, pounds. Apparently, uh, although I don't have a box office, apparently it was a big fucking success. This was, you know, like Hitchcock's big major success after Man Who Knew Too Much from thirty-four. Those were like the the two key movies that really got him. Uh, I guess internationally famous, um, you know, and got him into Hollywood basically, at, uh, or at least the notice of you know everybody in Hollywood. And uh, for release info here, there's a Criterion Blu- Blu-ray from uh, 2012. Uh, mm-hmm. Of course, like we said, uh, YouTube and Amazon Prime, iTunes, and uh, there's about a billion DVD releases of this uh, all right. over the place. Some of them not great quality. As, as you attested to from your Amazon Prime. Yeah, the, the version on Amazon Prime, like the free version you can get on Amazon Prime, yeah. looks like shit. It really does look like shit. Um, the version that you can like, rent it for like three ninety nine or something, and that version looked, you know, the, the preview looked much, much better. Um, but it is available for free on YouTube, so check it out on YouTube. That's the way to do it. All right. Yeah. Um, um, I did uh, look up from the... Um, and just uh, briefly, I did just kind of check the novels Wikipedia page just to look at the adaptations. Um, uh, apparently, none of them are very close to the uh, to the oh. book at all. Like the book is um, the 1978 version is the closest in that it's set during the same general period, the pre-war period, the pre-World okay. War One period that the book is. But apparently, huge amounts of the plot are just like completely changed. So you know, they kind of take the 39 steps idea and then just sort of like run with like they do a kind of like their own version of it in every version that's made. Apparently um, the 1959 version uh, is basically just a rip off of um, the uh, Hitchcock version. And apparently like Mr. Memory is not like a thing that's present in the book at all. So like, yeah, like they basically every version of this has like no connection to the book. Whatsoever. Okay. Well. <laughs> you know, like, 
they take a they take a character name in a very general outline and then just kind of go and do their own thing with it which interesting in and of itself it would be interesting to read the novel and kind of go like well what what is it that people are seeing in this and uh, you kind of wonder how much is uh you know people kind of know the title the 39 steps mm-hmm. and so but don't really know the movie and so you can just kind of remake it and go look we remade the 39 steps it looks great it's now it's now a bikini car wash movie <laughs> <laughs> I mean, you know, I, I wouldn't be against the uh, the bikini car wash thirty nine steps adaptation. You know, <laughs> turns out there's this there's this German spy organization that's after us, and the only way we're going to defeat them is by saving the car wash by making five thousand dollars to buy the handcuff keys here. And uh, the only way to do that is to put all the uh, waitresses in bikinis and have them wash cars. That's uh, the, you, um, you see. For me, the the connection wouldn't even be wouldn't even involve uh, uh, Hanny or uh, Pamela or any of those people. Yeah. Um, and in this case, the, the, <laughs> the car wash is owned by the Scottish like asshole. <laughs> yeah. He, no, he's he's trying to put him out of the business because they're, right, they're right. interrupting his spy activities. Right. But here's the thing: the heroes in this case are the two. Uh, the two people on the train that Hanny runs into, one of them's the lingerie sales. <laughs> yeah, the lingerie salesman, that was great. That was amazing. Mm-hmm. <laughs> he's, ta- he's talking about here. here's our newest, you know, uh, bra and, and panties for women, and they're very, you know, they're very respectable, very uh, non-revealing or whatever. Mm-hmm, right, right. And yeah. he's like, he reads the paper, he's like, oh shit, this other company, this competing company has it for Less money, so uh, my my trip to Scotland now is ruined because uh, apparently I can't sell this shit in Scotland. So, well, he holds up like you know, like you know, very kind of old fashioned, even for the time, kind of old fashioned, uh, you know, like a girdle, and is like, yeah, that's what my wife wears. And then he holds up like the fetishy thing, which is just yeah. kind of like very standard underwear today. You know, it's like put the put a put a young lady in that and she can go anywhere and it's like oh my god <laughs> you know <laughs> hitchcock like pulled his cock out when they were running dailies on this i guarantee you <laughs> he hitched his cock yeah i know um and you gotta say like i mean that stocking scene we described it earlier but i mean oh she god. is like poured into that dress too or that skirt too i mean there is you know yeah. there's a the, strongly the fetishistic aspect to this yeah the, the camera lingers on her legs because it's a whole scene of her she has to take her nylons off because they're wet you know she right doesn't wanna, she doesn't want to get hypothermia so. yeah I, I, I'm, I, I'm not gonna be uh, handcuffed to someone with pneumonia here you know come on you know? yeah it's like you know I, I'm all for I'm all for the promotion of health of yeah. beautiful young women so i mean you know that's <laughs> you've very- just got it you've just got to get naked you've just got to get naked and here we're back to the car wash you know yeah, exactly <laughs> it's like oh no oh no the girls got super wet and it's it's october <laughs> we <laughs> you girls- and now it's bikini car wash october festival <laughs> yeah no it's like oh no you you, you girls got to take off those uh sweaters you were wearing that are soaked uh, well what are we gonna wear well, we have these leftover bikinis. Okay. <laughs> All right. I guess. I guess if we have to, that's the way to do it. Oh my god. <laughs> we should stop. We should stop now. Like this is the only review of Hitchcock's Thirty Nine Steps that Ring envisioned the film as a bikini car wash movie. And I think uh, we made that's best. what you. That's what you come here for, ultimately. Yeah. I think we made. I think we made the best movie. Yeah. <laughs> Hollywood, call us. Exactly. <laughs> Man, if Skinamax were still a thing, that would be the uh, you know. 
Yeah, if, 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 the, if, the, if the softcore industry hadn't been totally hollowed out by the death of porn in general in right. video form. Yeah. 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 Um, so we're doing Mad Love next. That's our next film. Yeah, Mad Love. Yeah, I think so. Yeah. If that's the um, next one that we had decided. So we were sort of talking in the back background about uh, sort of like staggering our respective podcasts at this point to make our schedules a little bit better. Uh, so do you want to jump into the every other week uh, thing now? We can do that. That's fine. I mean, you know, whatever, however you want to, however you want to do it. That's fine with me. It would, it, at the very least, it should work uh, better for me uh, this month because I've still got uh, other stuff to edit and shit. So okay. give yeah. me some free time. No, so, we, uh, yeah, no, we've been, I mean, we love making the show. It's kind of, it's fun for Lee and I to get to hang out together and do this thing. Um, and it's not like it's like an insane time suck, but we've also been doing this for like five years at this point. <laughs> and, uh, you know, we have other responsibilities and I think uh, we want to, um, to, to keep making the show, but to make it a little bit less frequently kind of moving forward. And so yeah. inspect it every other week for at least a while until, you know, hopefully coronavirus will just end at some point. Um, and, uh, life can and, and, return and to something will end as well. <laughs> Nazis will end as well. And then, uh, you know, life can return to something resembling normal but no uh, yeah no civil war if we're gonna get a civil war it's gonna happen you know why are we even talking about like what happens in 2021 with this podcast you know, like, mm-hmm. anyway uh yeah but yeah. um uh, so yeah we'll, we'll be doing mad love next and that will show up it'll show up basically september 1st uh i guess because uh the 31st is on a f- friday mm-hmm. And uh, that's when we'll be November first. Oh yeah, November first. Yeah, that's yeah, yeah. I, I don't even know what months are anymore. It's fine. No, no, time. No, we're all. Matter. Yeah, it's it's yeah. it's the pandemic, you know. So it goes. So, but yeah, <laughs> but yeah, uh, mad love, and uh, that'll be that'll be fun. Uh, we'll get back to some uh, Peter Laurie and uh, yep, American horror film. Mm-hmm. Yep. Uh, probably probably less uh, nylons and. Yeah, lingerie salesman in that one, but whatever. Yeah, I mean, a little bit harder to turn that into a bikini car wash movie. But hey, if anybody can um, do it, it's us. I'm actually kind of determined to find a way now. <laughs> <laughs> uh, but yeah, Daniel, tell people where they can find you on the interwebs. You can find me. Um, I'm at Daniel Lee Harper on Twitter. You can also find me. Um, I do a podcast about. Um, the worst people in the English speaking world. I do a podcast with Nazis. We're doing it for a couple of years. Can't imagine if you are just tuning into this podcast. Now you haven't heard of that by now, but it's called, I don't speak German. It's at, I don't speak German.lipson.com and it's pretty good. Go check it out. Yes, it is. And you can find all of our stuff at tmbdos.podbean.com or uh, Amazon uh, or not Amazon, Apple Podcast. Amazon. We're not on Amazon. <laughs> if we were on an Amazon podcast, we'd be making money right now. Well, actually, we wouldn't. Yeah. They, they'd kick us mm. off because we have so much copyrighted material on our fucking <laughs> show. No, they would just like license it all. They would. Jeff Bezos would get an extra $10 every month off of us or whatever. Yeah, yeah. yeah. Fucker. Um,. <laughs> yeah, but you can find all that stuff, all of our, all of our fucking links. You, you know, it's going to come in the fucking end spiel anyway, where to go. So I don't even know why I yeah. bother repeating myself other than I'm a man of habit, I guess. Um, yeah, well, we've been doing this. What number is this? 219? 219. Yeah, we've done this. I mean, we haven't, we've done this more than 219 times. Mm-hmm. Or at least you have, you know, um, including all the intermissions and everything else. So, mm-hmm. um, yeah. 
Yeah, if you look on our on our uh, Podbean page, I think we're up to like over three hundred. <laughs> oh, nice. Yeah, so we've done a lot of done done a lot of talking into microphones here. You know. Yeah, yeah. Uh, but it's always fun, and uh, thank you, Daniel. Thank you, people, for listening. And we'll be back in a couple weeks uh, with Mad yeah. Love. Cheers. Cheers. Thank you for listening to They Must Be Destroyed On Sight. 
For further episodes, our Apple Podcasts, Facebook, and YouTube links, please go to tmbdos.podbean.com. Thank you. Drive through. Thank you.